Father, as we open Your Word, we ask Your Holy Spirit open our hearts. And Lord, we just uh, again uh, acknowledge You, the God of all creation, given us Your God-breathed Word that we might know You and draw close to You. We thank You and praise You, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. be in the book of Matthew again this morning in chapter 6, uh, verses 14 and 15. But before we get there, uh, have you ever made uh, a, a list of people that basically that you're indebted to, that, that you, where you would say thank you for all that you have done, or where if given the chance you would like, there's somebody you would go back and say thank you to for what they had done? Sometimes not realizing at the time they did it, it was good for you. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and of course, I, I started putting a list together as I was uh, contemplating this. And you know, you, uh, the first thing you do is you put your parents normally into that list, and 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 possibly your grandparents and extended family, aunts, uncles, cousins, whatever. I was I was really blessed. Uh, uh, my uncle and his wife, uh, my my mother's brother and his wife were they were the old he was the oldest of of his siblings and substantially so so we actually we didn't actually call him uncle john we called him grandpa john because i was the same age as his grandchildren and and so we just you know camping together places together they came and rescued me more than once uh and uh also though would hold me accountable in fact, my my aunt was more successful, I think, than any other single person at gaining control over me. She knew how to do a timeout. She didn't. She didn't do it physically. She did it with a timeout. That's a somewhat cruel if you think about it. You know, as far as I'm concerned, on the old-fashioned stool with the 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 steps that come out. You know, and you're sitting there, and she puts a, a TV tray in front of you and puts a timer on it and sets it. He left the room. I moved the timer. <laughs> Ding! I'm ready. Go into the kitchen. She says, the timer on the stove hasn't gone off yet. We went through that for a while. And she won. And from that point on, I knew Aunt Hazel's serious about gaining, you know, if she says this, she means this. And uh, she was willing to pay the sacrifice. And there was more than one over a period of years in the sense of timeouts. She was willing to to change her schedule in order to make sure I got the message. She was awesome. But she loved me. My uncle loved me. Uh, came alongside multiple times with our whole family uh, to, to, in, in times of, of, of need and, and, and things. It was just uh, a blessing. So the people that you can think of, friends that you would think of, where you would uh, come alongside and say, uh, thank you. Uh, your spouse certainly uh, comes into that question. My wife, I, I'm very thankful. And and I think of the number, well, I won't even get into it, other than the fact that she's had plenty of opportunity to learn what we're going to talk about today in the sense of forgiveness. And uh, then there's other people. I, I think of, of a teacher in my sixth grade 
Mr. Jenkins. And he, you know, when I graduated from middle school, he came alongside, you know, and basically said, congratulations, uh, you, you made it. And, and, and he wasn't saying that because he was glad to get rid of me. He actually was saying that we had made it. You know, and uh, uh, the number of times he sent me to the principal's office was multiple uh, in, in any given month. Uh, and still, he could put his arm around me, and I knew he cared. And I actually, he's one of the people that, that if he had, uh, was, had still been alive when I became a Christian, I would have gone back to talk to him. In fact, I, I looked it up and found out that he passed away. Uh, I would have gone back to talk to him and say thank you. So we have those people in our lives. Also, just a side note to that, you know, Hebrews 13, 7, normally talking about leadership, but talking about being thankful for the people who have preached or taught the Word of God to you, I, I, I think I carry that a step further to anybody who has ever spoken the Word of God to you. Be thankful for those people who were bold enough to do that. That would put my grandmother, who would sit by my, my bedside uh, when I couldn't go to sleep and read the Word of God. In her, she, she, put a, she kept a rocking chair in my room. So, you know, and she would, she would read the Word while I fell asleep. Uh, I didn't have a clue. And 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 I, I just how amazing and, and blessed what a blessing that was. There is a man that I am indebted to. His name is Joe. That's all I know about him. Other than well, I shouldn't say that. I know that he was a construction worker, and I had seen him on a few job sites uh, in when we lived in Paradise uh, in in the early 70s, Paradise, California, and. Uh, the reason why I'm indebted, I met him once, officially, sat with him with breakfast, and he is the person who shared his life experience with Christ, with me, when I had already promised to never listen to another Christian again. Perfect timing, perfect place in a crowded restaurant with my best friend who left rapidly. And we sat there for an easy two hours. And I've shared this before. My wife wondered what I'd done that afternoon. Read the Gospels. And like I said, you could have walked into it now. You know, but just, I owe Joe a, a debt of gratitude and thanksgiving. And I've never, never seen him again since we became Christians. I don't know how to, to find him, where he was. Uh, I was told that that wasn't always the guy he was. Uh, he had some other problems, and, and I thought, God used him. And he used his faith. So we make those lists of people that you're indebted to. And the reason why I'm sharing that is that it goes towards the idea of forgiveness. And you'll, you'll see where we're going with this in a minute. But the ultimate person at the list, on the top of the list, is Jesus Christ. Why? Because in a sense, all of the things that I experienced through the people that I'm sharing with you that I've named were people who were believers, number one, and they believed in Jesus Christ. It extended me grace, mercy, and discipline. They loved me. I had no doubt about that. But they were, they, they, they were concerned for me. They prayed for me. I had three grandmothers because of a, you know, 
divorces and remarriages and stuff. I had three grandmothers that were Christians that prayed for me every single day. And ultimately, I met the one who forgives the sins, who died on the cross, who said the words that are sinned, and said, Bob, come to me. And so at the top of the list is Jesus Christ. This is extremely important that we, we get that hold of that as we go into this understanding of, of forgiveness. Let's look at the two verses that uh, are for this week. It's uh, verses 14 and 15 of chapter 6 of Matthew. If you forgive others their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And this is tied to verse 12 you know, uh, of, of the Lord's Prayer. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And this is the only one of the, in the prayer, the list of, of, of the prayer, where Jesus turns around and gives more explanation to it. I think that's important enough for us to say why and, and to realize that he's telling us something important to, to grasp a hold of here. Remember the context. Hypocrisy. You can go back to chapter, uh, verse 1 of chapter 6. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. And then he goes on to talk about the, the, the giving of, of alms or, or prayer or fasting. And I do believe that forgiveness is part of this picture. It is, it's, it's, there was a, a, teaching that was going on, and, and R.C. Sproul talks about it, uh, uh, Carson talks about it, others, that uh, D.A. Carson and others, uh, Boyce, uh, that write commentaries on the New Testament, Martin uh, Lloyd-Jones, they, they mentioned you know, that, that there was a kind of, again, just like the Pharisees would do, kind of a, a rule. If you've forgiven someone three times, and they go back to the book of Amos, and Job to, to grab a, a couple of verses and, and where you know that was something that was was said was the obligation to forgive, but you know when asked, but but the idea was is that okay three times and I've done my duty. Just like you know everything else, they, it was kind of like I, I if, as long as I do it this way at this point and this you know I've done my duty, so. Uh, somebody uh, offends me, and I say I forgive you. Something comes up again. They ask for, they say they're sorry. I forgive you. A third time, I forgive you. A fourth time, <laughs> I've already forgiven you three times. No, there's nothing left. So we get to Matthew chapter 18, and Peter's saying. Well, about forgiveness here. What? How, how many times do you have to forgive somebody? Seven times? Now, you have to think, why would Peter say seven times instead of three? Think about everything that we've seen here in the, in the, in the, in the, in the Sermon on the Mount so far. Jesus said, it's not just the act of murder, it's the thought. It's not the act of adultery, but it's the thought. And so he was always taking it this step further. So I think Peter might have had it in his mind to say, oh, well, double plus. You know, seven times. 
What was Jesus' response? I know you know the Scriptures, but what was Jesus' response? Seventy times seven. Now, I tend to be a purist and a legalist in, in some ways, and so I, I figured 490 times. Can you imagine having to keep that record? Uh, you know, what Jesus was obviously using was a picture of, it doesn't, there's no number to it. It's what you do. And the question is, as you come back to these verses, why do we do it? It's because of what Christ has done for us. It's not in our human nature, our fallen nature, to forgive. We may say it. We may even ask for it. But we don't necessarily really want it. We're just looking for a, a, a brief sense of peace or, or, or whatever. But generally speaking, yeah, most of the time, have you? And, and I know that you've all experienced it this way. Um, I, I've, came, I've come to say that I'm sorry, but the circumstances, and you go on to explain and try to define why it is you did what you shouldn't have done, and and why you said what you shouldn't have said, or or whatever, and and you and and you say, but I'm sorry. So what have you done? You've undermined the whole idea of forgiveness by explaining why you didn't really. It wasn't your fault. And isn't that the the way it really works? God, it's the woman you gave me. Go right back to, to, to Genesis chapter three. And and the first thing that, that comes out of out of out of Adam's mouth when he is accused of sin, it's not my fault. She started it. Our children come by it naturally. He hit me first. And you find out that it was an accidental brush, but ah, boom, you know, uh, whatever. We, we're, we are keyed in on blaming other people for our faults, our failures, and we're not really good at asking for forgiveness, and we're not particularly good at giving. But, Jesus makes a profound statement. He says, if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Now, and, I, and I'm going to join again Carson and, and, and Martin Lloyd-Jones and others that what it's talking about here is, is, is a person who's already gone through chapter 5 and 6 of, uh, uh, up to this point of, of the Sermon on the Mount who has understood the idea of being uh, poor in spirit and, and, and the meekness and, and, and the gentleness and the humbleness that comes with finding Christ as your Savior and accepting Him and seeking first the face of God. All of these things. If this has happened to you, you will not be this person. You will have a general attitude of wanting to share what Christ has given to you with other people. Why? Not because my nature and my, and my flesh wants to do it, but because the Holy Spirit that is growing in me is teaching me how. Now, sometimes you read, uh, like Martin Lloyd-Jones especially, he just kind of cuts off there and makes it sound like, you know, if you can't forgive somebody, you're not a Christian. And it's not what he's really saying, but he was trying to make the, the point that if you're an unforgiving person, you need to examine whether your walk with Christ is intact or not. I think that's a harsh statement, but I think it's there. The unforgiving servant. The, the story that follows uh, Peter's uh, question about seven times, you know, and seven, seven, 70 times seven and all that. The next thing is a parable about forgiveness. The, the guy that comes to the king and says, 
The king says, you owe me so much, big time. Oh, please, spare me, I'll pay you back. Knowing he couldn't do it, the king knowing he couldn't do it, the king forgives him. What does the servant do? He now goes out and finds the, a person that is subservient to him, says, you owe me, and then throws him into jail until he pays. And basically that would mean until some, someone comes along and redeems him, because while you're in jail, you can't work. And if that doesn't happen, he never gets out. But the debt was something minor compared to his. And the, the, the king says, you don't have a heart of forgiveness. I, 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 the forgiveness I offered you, forget it. That sounds kind of like conditional fit for tat, but it's not what he means. What he's saying is, this forgiveness should change your heart. And if it doesn't, then it's not there. You haven't received it. You're not resting in it. Now, I think that's important to get a hold of. But does this mean that, uh, you know, uh, that a Christian can't have, uh, that a Christian is always forgiving under all circumstances, uh, everything and every person? Not in a consistent manner in the sense that we're growing through it. I came to a point in my life where I realized that I owed some people an apology. I talked about Mr. Jenkins being one of them, but but also my stepdad. And uh, they were didn't all happen in order, but but uh, you know in 1986, I realized I needed to talk to my stepdad and tell him that I was sorry for all the tribulation I brought to his life. He married my my mom when I was seven. He inherited two kids. He was fresh out of the Marines, uh, retired drill sergeant. And uh, he had been raised under heavy discipline. He went into the Marines when he was 16. He lied about his age and his, you know, said he was 17. And his dad signed him off. Uh, and so he was immediately involved in the, the Philippines, World War II, Korean War, and on until 57 they offered him early retirement. And uh, he married my mom and, like I said, inherited a kid that uh, was doing his own thing. That's all there was to it. And uh, were there problems in our relationship? Yes. Did he cause some of them? Probably. But I didn't help it anymore. And I went and visited him. We were standing out. Uh, we were living in San Inez at the time, San Inez, California, up above Santa Barbara. On a, my dad was being a caretaker for a ranch and uh, working on the machinery and stuff. And, and uh, walked out to the back field and was talking, and I just told him, I said, how sorry I was. He turned around and he said he was sorry. We forgave each other. We actually cried. I was thankful because it was just about nine months later that he died in an airplane crash. You never know when you're going to miss an opportunity. When the Holy Spirit says you need to talk to somebody, do it. Okay? And I just want to encourage you because I've missed it from the other side. And I, I know what that is like. 
But the reality is, is that forgiveness is something that we grow into. And, and R.C. Sproul wrote a series of articles that, that were really, to me, profound in the sense of explaining some things. And one of the things was about forgiveness. He said the very first thing he said was, forgiveness is a promise to never take revenge. Isn't that an interesting way of putting it? So I'm never going to take revenge. And then he, he gives it a lot more detail. Uh, it's a statement of love. Now, think about Christ. God so loved the world that he gave. And, he, and, and Jesus Christ is the cross, all of those with that. Okay? Forgiveness is an act of love that says, I hold no anger. I hold no hatred. I hold uh, no bitterness. And kind of a threefold perspective as my forgiveness becomes real. And sometimes this takes a little bit of time from the point where you say it from the heart and mean it, but still embrace it with fullness of what we just said. But the basic idea is, I won't ever bring it up again. We have the picture, God's forgiveness. As far as the what east is from the west. Or the other picture, out into the deepest part of the sea. Okay, And, and I used to hear preaching and teaching on this, and, and it was kind of like, God just forgets it. You know, no, that's not. He, he forgets it in the sense of judgment. He never brings it up again to judge us. It's gone. It's buried. We can't get to it. Okay? Is it forgotten? Well, if the answer to that was absolutely yes, then we would know nothing about what David did, would we? Do you believe David was, was forgiven? We know he was. The Word tells us. Even is called a man after God's own heart and a friend of God. I mean, there's, you know, it wasn't, it was no small thing he did. Okay? So forgiveness is something unique in, in its way. Kathy and I had it shared to us by the man who did our wedding. And I didn't understand it until I needed it. And I had to go back and, and, and actually ask him, how did this work again? <laughs> you know? And, and, and he, he pictured, in fact, the, the very same thing. He, he, he says, you're not going to bring it up again. He says, you're not going to bring it, uh, R.C. Sproul said, you're not going to bring it up to, to, to the person. In other words, I, I will pick on my wife for a minute. Kathy, I forgive you, and, I, and, 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 and I'll never bring it up to her again. In other words, I'll never throw it at her in another argument or another dispute and say, yeah, do you remember? And actually, I should reverse that because she's had far more opportunity to do it the other way around. And and any and, and you're not but not only am I not going to bring it up and throw it at her, I'm not going to bring it up to anybody else in a conversation. It's over. It's done. It's gone. It doesn't need to be discussed. And when somebody is sitting there and and Kathy's at, 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 out with her, her friends and they say, "Oh, my husband does this or my husband does that," negatively. He could type in and say, oh, my husband's done that too. Or he can embrace this picture of forgiveness 
and not join in anymore. He realizes that how important it is that we lift each other up and not tear each other down. Words of encouragement, Ephesians chapter 4, versus words of bitterness and hurt. Okay. And I'm not going to bring it up to myself. I'm really good at pity parties. I need to not even bring it up there. Dick Beaumont, the guy who did our, the, the, the minister who did our wedding, what he described it was like a book. I think many of you have heard me share this before, but it's like a book and it has a title on it. And here's the, the deed of, of what it is that, that happened in all the, the, the situation. And we turn around and we put it on a bookshelf. Can you still see the title of the books on most books on the bookshelf? Yeah, it's not completely forgotten, meaning that you still know it happened. If you sit down and, and talk, I'm sure my wife probably has already had some flashbacks. <laughs> uh, but, but, but uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's put on the shelf. And I know take it off in the next argument and throw it. I don't take it off when I'm talking with the guys after work. Uh, you know, and, and, and I don't take it off when I'm sitting there by myself feeling sorry for I may glance at it, but then I'm reminded it's on the on the the forgiveness shelf where it stays. Forgiveness is a physical decision act of love. You choose to do it, but you will not choose to do it unless you surrender first to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit working through you to do it. I thought it was interesting that I, I read those things in R.C. Sproul and then I turned around and said, you know, but this was 1971 uh, or 1970 when, when, when Dick Beaumont shared this with me. I, I, you know, how, how long? You know, it turns out R.C. Sproul's been preaching that for a long time. Uh, so maybe he'd even read it back then. I don't know. But the idea is just phenomenal to me is, is that it is something that happens that you choose to do that can work if you have the Holy Spirit working in you and you act. Like I said, it's not natural to do this. You need the Holy Spirit. What happens if you, as a Christian, um, you, you, you are unforgiving for... And I'm not talking about in the sense of unsaved, you know you're wrestling with this, but you're, you just can't bring yourself to, to, <laughs> to, uh, to, to, to release yet. R.C. Sproul made another thing in this, in this series of articles. He said, it imprisons you. It actually holds you captive to the point where it ultimately starts to, to produce bitterness. It affects your relationship. It affects, uh, you know, it can affect your work. It can actually affect all sorts of things. It affects your attitude. He even says it gives Satan an opportunity to, to, to sneak in and, and, and with bitterness and anger. Keeps, he said, one of the places he said, it keeps the pain alive when you harbor unforgiveness. As a result, the wound can't heal. In fact, if not anything, it festers and gets worse. And ultimately, you live as a victim. 
kind of the way the, the chain goes. Somebody did something to me. He said, forgiveness is the key to open the, she- the, the cell door and let you out. And I, I really appreciated the way that, that he put that together. Like I said, between my stepdad and I, I experienced that. And it's probably to this day still one of the more rewarding experiences in my life as a Christian. And to wonder, I didn't know my dad as a believer. But then to see that towards the end of his life, he drifted back into his faith. Even to the point that the plane crash that he was in was one that he was helping equip. My my dad was a pilot as well as the the doctor that he was helping. Uh, was a doctor who went to, went to South America one, uh, once a year for a month. And he would fly his own plane and land on those uh, field, you know, field runways and stuff like that for villages that didn't get doctors. And he'd bring supplies and a couple of nurses. And it was a twin-engine beach craft. And uh, got 50, 80, 50, 60 feet off the ground after having some new equipment put into it. The right engine blew up and there was nothing left. And uh, you, 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 you look at that and, and, and you, you know, I, I'm saying... As I'm standing now in the same field where my dad and I had had our talk just several months before, and I'm saying, Lord, I need, I wasn't confident where he was and and what was going on. God gave me the most wonderful gift because as I was sitting in my mom's house, Kathy will attest to that my mom couldn't keep a house organized. Here was a bookcase, but then there was the ironing board with all the stuff hung and stacked on it that needed to be ironed. So you couldn't see what was on the bookcase. And it was like everything just parted in my thoughts. I said, there's a Bible. You know, I went and I pulled the Bible off. It was my dad. The only thing marking anything, and it was a beech nut paper wrapper. And it was in the Song of Solomon, I am my beloved and he is mine. The only thing underlined in that section. And uh, then I was handed by another family member his New Testament so they knew where it was. It was, he had gone through several of them while he was in the Marines. And uh, all these things that were underlined and stuff, I was able to, to, to do a service for my dad that was one of freedom. And what was really neat was to have the wife of the doctor, who also died in a plane crash, and her son, come up to me afterwards and say, your dad was really getting excited about coming to the Lord. All because her husband had shared the word with him and helped him get back. I also had my uncle come up. After several years of wondering if it was legal for me to marry my sisters uh, and do the service, wedding services for my sisters and my cousins, and wondering what it was I was getting out of it, come up and, and stand around after the service. My dad put his hand around my his hand around my back and, and say, "You really believe all that, don't you?" 
All based on the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. All resting in the grace of Jesus Christ. What if? I, I, I don't want to go too long here, but what, but what if? You can't. You, you, there's somebody that you want to forgive, and, you, and you, there's no way. I've I've found, and I was advised by an old timer uh, in, the, in the in the church that I was in in, in Southern California, uh, and he says, "For me, and, and and it was picture yourself before the Lord, and ask, you know, you know, the Lord." Picture yourself before the Lord and say, Lord, I ask that this person be forgiven. You realize the final judgment is not there. I don't know, even a non-believer, what the, the, the idea of judgment is. And stuff. You know, I'm confident that if I forgive them, even in that capacity, God is not going to hold that particular sin. It's not going to free them if, the, if they haven't accepted the Lord. And so he says, how can you believe that? Maybe it's a stretch, I don't know. But, you know, Jesus said, I, God, Father, Father, don't hold these sins... Don't hold this against them. They don't know what they're doing. From the cross. Do you think God honored that? I do. When Stephen was being killed outside of the uh, of the temple, and 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 you know, he 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 cried out, "Father, forgive them." You think God honored that? I I think there's. Did they ask for it? Did they want it? Maybe it made them throw the stones all the harder. It certainly made some of the Pharisees and stuff around the cross wag their tongues all the more and insult Christ. But I believe that that was done. We're to forgive even our enemies. I, you know, I'm pretty fortunate. I just, I don't know. I don't think I have. I know there's some people out there that, that may not, you know, care for me or, you know, really like me and want to be my best friend or spend a lot of time with me. But I can't picture what, what, what normally I picture as an enemy. I, I, I don't know that I've ever experienced that. So it's hard for me to picture how hard that would be because I've seen some testimonies of some people Corey Ten Boom in my father's house and speaking publicly in the, in the 70s and 80s, talking about the need to forgive. And being caught up with it, she's preaching needing to forgive. She's teaching from the, uh, a time where she's sharing her testimony and, and, and having somebody from one of the prison camps that she was in come up and say, can you forgive me? And she actually had to turn around, pray, and ask the Holy Spirit because she, in her flesh, couldn't do it. But through the Holy Spirit, she says, I can't. So, this forgiveness is an important part. Jesus is making, is trying to make sure we understand between that and other parables about forgiveness, how important it is that we be a people known for our forgiveness. That the love of God flows through us in such a way that, that we have His grace and His forgiveness not only in our lives, but working through our lives. 
And do you realize, I think it's tied to John chapter 13 where it says you will be known as, as believers uh, by the way you love one another. And I think that includes by the way we forgive one another. When we get into the, if we're in the supermarket and railing on somebody in our church or the pastor of our church or a leader in our church or something like that with another person, what kind of impression does that leave? See what I'm getting at? Our testimony is tied to this love and grace and forgiveness working through us as to who you are, even within the community that you live in and the place that you work and the sports that you play. It's an exciting thing to start to realize that you can be freed from that that prison that that holds you back, but you can also be a blessing to others. Even if they don't, you know, acknowledge it, don't ask for it, and you you, you still give it to them, you know, from the heart and and prayer. And, And also to ask for forgiveness. I don't know if it's ever happened to you, but asking for forgiveness is, is a part of this picture also. And you walk up to someone that you've, you've hurt or injured in, in your recollection and you say, I am really sorry. And the person's looking at you like you're crazy. I don't have a clue what you're talking about. Well, back when we were here, 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 what? I don't remember that. It wasn't even, it obviously wasn't something that, that they heard or caught or, or received as an offense or whatever. But you're still released. And out of the out of the prison that you're holding in. So there's two sides to that. That was just you know an extra thought, but it's it's there. I am freed. I can bless others by extending to them what what has been given to me, sharing God's grace and forgiveness. Like I said, it's what becomes visible to the world. How we love one another. How we treat one another. What drives this? For the believer, the number one reality, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on the cross for our sins. You know, we can look at the Roman road on the back of the bulletin and realize we are all sinners. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. We all need a Savior. But when we confess with our, our, our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, He forgives us of our sins. We have the free gift of eternal life. Our sins are as far as the east is from the west into the deepest sea and never held against us again. I know you've heard me do this part before, but you you go to Zechariah chapter 3 where Joshua the high priest at the time, not Joshua of of Joshua, but another Joshua, the high priest at the time, standing before Jesus and, 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 and Satan is there to accuse him. And I thought, if Satan were there to accuse me, would he, you know, what kind of list would he have? And all I can picture is one of these long scrolls, you know, and uh, he's sitting there waiting. You know, and this is the high priest, and 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 Jesus basically rebukes Satan before he ever opens his mouth and says, "Be quiet! This is the brand I plucked from the fire's mine." And he redresses him, puts a new, you know, new clothes on him, and, and embraces him. 
powerful picture. What drives this? God's grace. What drives this? God's mercy. What drives this? God's forgiveness. Also, His Word that helps us to understand and to, and to wrestle with this. What drives this? The indwelling of the Holy Spirit who convicts us. Boy, be thankful that every time you realize that you've sinned, that the Holy Spirit is working on you. That's where it comes from. And again, the reality is this is only possible through Jesus Christ because He paid the price. He said the words, it is finished. When we share communion today, realize that in the, in the, the, the mix of all of that we've talked about this morning, the reality is His grace, His mercy, His forgiveness through the Holy Spirit in us when we receive Christ is to be extended. And, and just ask God, a simple thing, is there anybody that I need to go to and either give or receive <laughs> forgiveness? Ask for or give. And, uh, and, and make that a part of your, your prayer this morning. I ask the ushers to come forward and uh, pass the communion out. Hold it until we've all been served. And uh, I, I, I ask, uh, well, they're already here. Some musicians come up. Singers. and unbelief has not the Father put to grief His spotless Son for us and will the righteous judge of men condemn me for that debt of sin now cancelled at the cross Jesus, all my trust is in your blood. Jesus, you rescued us through your great atonement you have made and by your death have fully paid the dead your people owe no wrath remains for us to face we're sheltered by your saving grace and sprinkled with your blood Jesus, all my trust is in your blood. Jesus, you've rescued us through your great love. 
sweet the sound of saving grace. How sweet the sound of saving grace. Christ died for me. How sweet the sound of saving grace. How sweet the sound of saving grace. Christ died for me. Be still, my soul, and know this peace, the merits of your great high priest have bought your liberty. Rely then on his precious blood, don't fear your banishment from God, since Jesus sets you free. Jesus, all my trust is in your blood. Jesus, you rescued us through your great All our trust is in His blood. We bring nothing to the table for salvation. He brings it all. And then I love the picture of the Word. He lavishes it out on us, which means He gives it more than it needs. Isn't that an amazing thing? I mean, it's abundant. It's, it's more than is necessary. I, I don't know, understand what's necessary, but it, it's beyond that in a sense. Because he's perfect and pays it. And he, nothing, nothing created has been tainted by man's fall. And so nothing can be offered to do it. If we had all the possessions, we sing a song, if we had all the possessions of the world and tried to bring it to him, it wouldn't be enough. If we had all of the universe to bring it to him, it wouldn't be enough. He paid it all. So in his blood we trust, period. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for those who rest in Him. Instead, we're joint heirs with Him for eternity, sharing the kingdom of God forever and forever. No accounting for time any longer. Resurrected bodies, permanent home, permanent dwelling. Instead of these things, fragile, failing. gave us a picture that we'd, he asked us as often as we would share the communion together that we'd do this in remembrance of him. And he gave us this picture to remind us. Jesus Christ incarnate. God 
in the Word became flesh and dwelt among us in the flesh. He said, this is my body. It represents my body that is given for you. And, and, and when it says broken, it, it's, it's not the word broken like in every bone broken, but in the sense of torn and, and, and sacrificed for you. He came in the flesh to do that specifically and emptied himself of his privileges of the king of kings and came and became a servant to man even to the point of death that he might say the words that are said. Let's share the bread together. The supper that he had shared with his disciples where he broke the bread after giving thanks and he had shared it with them and, and asked them to, to see it as his body. He held up the cup at the end of the meal and said, this is my blood. Literally? No. Figuratively? Yes. And in the process of looking at it, to remind us again, he paid the full price. He poured out his blood so that we could rest in it. Our trust is in what he did. Father, again, we thank you for the amazing grace that you've poured out on us. We know as we, we stand before you, each of us, as we, we know our lives. We know who we are. And I just ask you to remind us over and over again that we might stand amazed that in spite of who we are, you've saved us. And it doesn't matter which one of us in this room, none of us are free except for you and what you've done for us, making us free. Lord, give us forgiving hearts, hearts that love so much and appreciate so much what you have done that we are compelled through your Holy Spirit to share it with us even those that don't know you and, and, and having nothing to do with deserve or not deserve, but because of what you have done for us. Even help us love our enemies. To love the people that are, that are hard to get along with in our lives. And we ask for your grace to be the overwhelming factor in everything that we do. That we might reveal you to us. I want to take one time this morning to say thank you for Joe caused me to be like him, willing to, in a crowded room, un- without any flinching, without any holding back, in a sense of boldness, share what you have done for me, that someone else might find their grace in you. We worship you, we praise you. Give us a heart of seeking after you, in Jesus' name.